0: 21CL Radio. Happy Monday morning to you. You're listening to the Education Vanguard, and I am your host, Michael Bull, and I am so happy to have you here today. And thank you for joining us as we are on this mission, you know, and that is to recognize and share educational leaders. Today's educational leader is school counselor, Adam Clark. Beep, ping, buzz. In many ways, those sounds and sensations dominate our lives in ways they have not done in years past. We are confronted with feedback on our efforts, our friendships, and, uh, well, sometimes our thoughts. Much of this feedback is great, eh? and sometimes, though, it's not so great. And regardless of how we feel about our new reality, and personally, I think I really like it, there's a focus on our students and the impact of our world of instant communication has on their well-being. School counselor Adam Clark has some thoughts to share about these topics. I asked him about what it means to be resilient today and why this is an important part of our general mental health. In his response, Adam takes us into something he has been thinking about as a long-term trend, and that's going from wellness in our lives to leveraging wisdom as a means of increasing overall well-being. Enjoy the conversation. Adam Clark, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Yeah, nice, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, of course, wonderful to have you here. I haven't talked to you in, uh, gosh, it's almost coming on a year. Last time we hung out at the Learning 2.0 conference. And you did yeah. the, the great talk as you'd done the year before. And so I thought this would be nice to get somebody on the show who has a little bit different take, not just talking about uh, nerdy tech stuff, but rather talking about kids themselves. That sound like fun? Yeah. Sounds like a good time. Thank you. All, yeah. all right. So let's start off talking about resilience. We'll just go right out the gate and say, what does a resilient student look like in your mind? I think for me there's sort of two facets to it. Like maybe on the negative
1: side first, there's the idea of someone who overcomes the challenges that life doles out. Um, that would be one indicator of resilience. And then the other side is maybe that person that maintains in part because they overcome the challenges, but they maintain a general overall sort of well-being or a sense of well-being around them, um, and they sort of have it together, if that makes makes sense.
0: It, it does. And there's a lot more talk today than there was, say, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, about resilient students and how that's important. I've, I've heard the word grit is another way to describe it. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. It, why is that? Do you think students are facing higher pressures today than we did in the past, or as we were talking before the show, is it just we always think this generation has it different than previous generations?
1: I think there's a little bit of that last point that, uh, you know, we tend to look at the generation that exists right now and go, wow, look how soft they are. You know, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, we walked uh, both ways uphill in the freezing snow to school or something. And like my grandfather or my grandparents would have said to us. And so maybe there's an element of that. But I think actually more authentically and maybe a little bit more anecdotally, I think educators, we're seeing students um, struggling with issues in ways that we haven't seen before. Um And we want to help them overcome some of those challenges, which in in previous times might have been a little bit more routine. You know, like, for instance, like test, test Mm -hmm. anxiety has always sort of been around or maybe a little bit of performance anxiety for public speaking or or that kind of thing. But I think we're seeing more students thrown thrown off by those fairly routine expectations um, from time to time.
0: And uh, so the question maybe then why, why are we seeing them thrown off? And I don't know if you even have an example of a student who is... Encountering or going through that sort of situation, but what could it be that's different now that has them thrown off than more than in the past? Yeah, um,
1: some of the things I think do in a, in a way they're they're indications of our progress with, for instance, assessment strategies that we have now. Often the students, and in a good way, have a lot of control over the outcomes. I mean, they can go home um, and they can work on things; they're authentic projects. Um, they can really determine the outcomes. But then when they're thrown something where they don't have uh, that much control. I mean, you do in a way with say a test or a, or a performance that happens in real time, mm-hmm. you can prepare for it, but you still don't know, you can't go back and edit it afterwards. Right. If that makes sense. And so I think, um, and that way, some of our progress with assessments is, is putting students in situations, um, where, when they do encounter them like with tests or whatever, that they're just, they're not well, um, they're not accustomed to it, whereas for, mm-hmm. for instance me, when we were in high school, I feel like I was hit with a constant stream of tests, which <laughs> I didn't enjoy. But eventually you sort of go belly up and be like, well, I'm going to prepare and I'm going to see how it works out. And if it doesn't go so well, well, so be it. That's, that's the best I could do. Um, so I feel like sometimes students are thrown off because the best they can do usually is outstanding. It's excellent because they have – the assessment criteria and they have the flexibility to really do a good job with it when they uh, have time.
0: So, you know, I went, have a daughter in high school and, uh, and just like she and all her friends, you know, they have a, a grading program. Here they use PowerSchool and so they're able to check their grades to see how they did. And so I've yep. talked to a few high school kids and I said, do your parents check the grades it's, or do you check? And they said, oh, we check it far more often and are far more freaked out about grades than, than my parents are, for example. And that itself, just sort of the instant age of communication we have now, and then they will quickly share on social media how they did and see how, who did this, who did that. I wonder if yeah. you think that has a role in increased stress and maybe that's why we're talking more about resilience now than we did in the past.
1: Yeah, I think you might be really onto something with that. And the idea of when you, when you look around and your network is broad enough, you can pretty quickly find excellence. Mm-hmm. No, it's like if I, if I decide I'm going to take up dancing, one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to look at YouTube videos and I'm going to see amazing dancers and they're going to have some really useful instruction strategies as well. Sure. But it's also possible for me to see these outstanding dancers <laughs> and then for me to look at myself in the mirror or whatever and just be like, wow, I am so far away from that and maybe be somewhat defeated before I even get out of the gate even though those – are supposed to be inspiring, or could be inspiring and useful for me as a learner. Hmm. I think in some ways the same thing applies. If you start asking enough people, you realize, wow, I'm pretty mediocre in this one, this one thing. Or I actually I did quite poorly on this, um, and that may become a bit more public and a little bit more painful, perhaps. So,
0: huh, that's an interesting dimension to all that, that. These are all, of course, the unintended consequences that go along with this communication we have nowadays.
1: Yeah, and of course, there's all the strengths to it too, like the ability to learn something instantly when you want to learn how to serve, you know, for tennis look at all the videos there are for learning how to do just that. And chances are one of them is going to really speak to you and that presenter is going to resonate with you and you're going to learn, you know? So there's obviously the upside, but maybe some of those downsides are are coming back to to impact us. The other thing I've been thinking a lot about is the idea Mm -hmm. of um, sort of the amount of comfort that we have. Um, And maybe this does go back to that level of adversity that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. But uh, I think it was, uh, well, it's come up in a number of ways, but one of the Sort of thinkers that I've been thinking about more recently is Alan Watts, who was a philosopher, died, very active in the 50s and 60s. Okay. Unfortunately, died a little bit early in 1973. But one of the things that he talked about was um, a little bit like a Joseph Campbell sort of um, uh, fo- follow your bliss type of thing. He was, you know, uh, you have a duty to enjoy your life. And Mm -hmm. he talks about it in terms of utopia. He says, you know, in in the past, a utopia was something that was like a dream. He goes, now it's not a dream anymore. It's like the ability to live in a a utopia is a necessity. And in some ways, I feel like that's what's going on. In so many ways, we are living in a utopia. And some of that really is facilitated by technology. I mean, what a great time to be alive, right? Right. If you want to know something, you can know it like – This and it factors Mm -hmm. into your whole matrix of learning, whatever it is. You know, it's so exciting to be alive right now with what we have access to. Um, At the same time, um, we can also sort of fall by the wayside if we don't know what we're what we're really switched on by or what really drives us, because we can be more or less passively entertained as well. It doesn't have to be an active process.
0: So, Um, so all that incorporates. That, in a lot of ways, makes us a lot busier, and then that can add stress, too, and as well as you know, the ability to get information at any time makes me, at least personally, addicted to, let's say, my phone. If I, yeah. I want to see, oh, did I get an email? Did I get a response to Adam when I emailed him, said, hey, you want to do an interview? And, oh, there it came through, and my wife's trying to talk to me. And I'm like, oh, but I want to see what Adam said and all that, and that... Brings up issues of balance at the same time, right? And are, do you think we're seeing our kids suffer from that, or are we as parents suffering in our interpretation of, of how the kids are doing? It's more us than it is them. hm
1: I, in some ways, I I would say, yeah, fine. We see our our kids suffering. Uh, mm-hmm from their, their learning process or some of the difficulties they encounter, right? Um, at the same time, this isn't going away. And so, and it's also a factor for us. And we're all, granted, we are more mature and we have a little bit more of a developed uh, sense of self-awareness and all that, but we're all dealing with uh, distractions or What's 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 worth spending my time on right now? If I'm sitting face to face with somebody, isn't that where my attention should be, as opposed to in an email that I could respond to in three hours? And that's just as well, right. you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so in some ways, yeah, we we all are struggling with this balance, and of course, we're looking at our kids and and thinking, oh, you know, he's, he's spending too much time on his phone, or he's too involved in, in this, that, and the other thing. Really, what we need to be having is just discussions about what makes a full life, mm-hmm. um, and then factor in how technology supports that and then where at certain points does technology actually detract from having that rich full full life
0: okay, perfect perfect so now we can start talking about wellness right and, yeah. and so you you talked about and you, and you, when we talked before the show again and talking about wellness versus choosing wisely and wisdom and and i'm so uh, to me, it's like, what, what's up with that? I'm totally just getting into this wellness thing. You can't just go and twist it, and suddenly I got something new I need to get into. So what do you yeah. mean by wellness, sort of converting itself to wisdom or choosing wisely?
1: Well, I mean, as you know, like the school year is just getting started, and one of the things that I'm um, excited about uh, revisiting this year is some of our uh, pastoral care program, or our, okay. actually it's a little bit like our health, our health curriculum here, but I'm um, looking at Maybe switching that grade ten emphasis from wellness, which is you know typically it 's a multi strand model of influences like uh social wellness, how are my relationships with my friends, physical wellness, do I get exercise, do I eat well, uh, sleep factors into that as well there's spiritual wellness there 's environmental wellness mm-hmm. you know, all all those things that we can kind of look at and and identify oh how strong am I here, how am I weak there. Those are useful conversations, and I still think there's there's value to that. But what I'm interested in doing is with maybe some of my more mature students that have had a longer history of that is looking at um, a model which I picked up from Harvard University in an article this summer. Is what does it what does it mean to live my life wisely? And that's a different conversation in a way. It's you know it's almost like the other ones like how do I live a healthy life? And this one is how do I live a life that reflects wisdom both of the present
0: and perhaps of the of
1: the past ages as well.
0: Okay. And so how do we make those decisions? Where, where would we look then to to get wisdom to help us? I mean, should I just be turning to my parents? In fact, I read a study somewhere that said if you live near your parents and eat a lot of vegetables, you tend to live even longer. Is it is that <laughs> sort of proof right there that uh, the wisdom comes from those that are a little bit older than you that have shared life? Is that is that a source for this, or should I be finding my wisdom on the Internet?
1: Yeah, I think both places. Uh, I think there's a, many places we can find answers. Uh, certainly... You know, for instance, like in looking at psychology and uh-huh. I follow quite closely closely the latest trends. And so adolescent depression is something you see a lot of sure. or anxiety disorders or things that, that are quite prominent in the psychological news. Um, and there's new, new advances on how we can work with um, – with those conditions but some of those advances really are things that we can pick up from the ages i mean like the kinds of questions that we've been asking since you know like i don't know from hinduism or from the Mm -hmm. formation of buddhism or uh, the early days of christianity or you know from religion as
0: well so those existential sort of questions about our whole lives in general okay
1: Right, and where those answers come from. Um, and some of that does, you know, talking about like having chances to reflect or having, and, and that would reflect on our need for downtime, for instance, away mm-hmm. from some of the social media perhaps, uh, to have those moments of just stillness, right, to just be. Um, some of those fundamental needs I don't think are going away. In some ways I feel like, if anything, we're becoming more aware of the fact that we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. how that how those play off of us individually it's something we need to come to terms with, but yeah, maybe there is a place for, um, you know, meditation, for instance, or um, reflection with other people, sharing about life experiences. You know, that's kind of where I want to take, not in a religious way, but that's where I'd like to take some of the dialogue with my grade 10s this year is just about that. What would it mean for you to live a full, rich life? And yes, these aspects of wellness factor into that, but really what does the big picture look like uh, for you and try to help the students come up with some answers so that their high school years really do reflect that transformative experience that um, high school uh, really can be about and probably should be because then they enter the next stage of their education or their life with uh, a better sense of direction, which back to resilience again, connects to the ability to overcome challenges because you know where you're going. I can summon the energy if I if I can see how this factors into the the big vision I have for my for my life.
0: Now I don't know if you've had a chance to ask that question to your tenth grade students. What would a full life look like? Because you're just starting the year. But mm. so wh- my first question is, what do you think the response would be? And my second question is, do you think it would simply be, if, from a guy's point of view, uh, a car, a girl, and <laughs> my Xbox, and that's fulfilled life? <laughs> yeah, and food, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh- Your point's
1: well taken. I haven't had a chance to actually sit down with the grade 10s and do this. Yeah, what do you think they're going to say? I think what would be useful, I think if I just asked them now, like outright like that, I think they would have some blank stares involved and not know what I'm expecting or feel like that there is a right answer when clearly there isn't a right answer. I think what would be necessary is to have some, um, for instance, like either some key readings that are a bit provocative or some ethical dilemmas, you know, like... Uh, There's one that came out of that that article about Harvard where they describe a man who's uh, fishing and an MBA student comes in and says, hey, I I can see how your, your fishing life is going here. And the daily pattern is basically you fish in the morning and then you hang around all afternoon and visit with friends and family. What you could do is monetize this a little bit bump up your production of your fish product, and then sell that, have a little bit more leisure time, and do a little bit more good for people that maybe right. need the help. They, they work this functional model in. At the end of it, of course, he is successful as a business, but his life is uh, un, is not as fulfilling as it was before because he's unable to spend time with his family. He basically becomes a, a sort of a, a businessman, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And so then to pose them other questions, like, well, what, what, would, what would have been the better scenario? Should that MBA student have not gone in and helped him monetize this thing and make this big business? Or And should he have been able to just sort of idle away his days and then start to look at those kinds of concrete examples and get those debates going? Oh, no, I think he should have been able to just lounge around all afternoon visiting friends and family. That's what a full life is. It's like, no, are you kidding? He can do much more with the money. He can actually address um, the hunger issue or he could address you know poverty, whatever it is. Sure, they, yeah. You can have that debate. And I think that might be the way in as opposed to – the sort of too broad a question admittedly for for really any of us but particularly you know high school students
0: it, it seems with high school students in my experience they're much more optimistic much more caring and much more the belief that society can do things or should do things to help those they are disadvantaged so do you think you can leverage that now and then perhaps they'll keep that sort of attitude for the future that a, a course like this or a conversation like this will, will move in that direction
1: I think so and, and one of the things I'm excited about is how that may relate to some of the service learning opportunities that the students have I mean the you know, research, I don't have it at my fingertips, but mm-hmm. basically what it, how it plays out is the students that are least receptive to service opportunities benefit the most when they're put in those okay, service sure. situations, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and so how do you help those less receptive students become more receptive? And this might be one of those avenues in so that they're – they just take to it more quickly when we do service projects or, or or that kind of thing. Or maybe they create their own, ideally, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's get down to some of the final questions or perhaps the final question. So what? Get, why are you into this? What got you involved in this? So when we talk about this, you light up, and you, I can see the excitement in, you know, today and other times that I've met you. What got you going into all this?
1: I think... Um, I don't. I don't know if I have it all figured out. Like I certainly wouldn't consider myself <laughs> an enlightened person. By any stretch, I'm sort of barely able to manage some things day to day. But I, I do feel like I, I. I have a sense of enjoyment. Like I've never had trouble like filling days. Like mm-hmm. we have the summers off, and as a, an education, and I think we really need those that time because the community needs to breathe and the community needs to be separate, and then the, sure, the community sure. needs to come back together again. It's incredibly valuable for a, an intense environment like a school to have those those uh, times apart. I, I could probably keep going on that summer trajectory for years and years and years before I ever sort of petered out. And mm-hmm. I would like to share that same sort of fire or spark with my students. Not what not what lights me up, but what lights them up. Okay. If I can do that for the students and see them really sort of spark onto different ideas and find their life path, then I'm really happy about that. I think that's where they become contributing citizens and they're going to do that in their own unique way. So I think that's one of my jobs as an educator and as a school counselor.
0: All right, sounds good. Well, I've been talking with Adam Clark. He's a counselor at uh, Yokohama International School. Thanks so much uh, for your time today, Adam. Yeah, thank you, Michael. It was very enjoyable. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.